What is up, everybody? How's it going? Welcome to the Civ Show podcast, a podcast about everything civilization. We suck, so you don't have to. My, I, I'm there. I'm your host, Moisos, and I'm Nystagmus. Hope you're having a wonderful day, everybody. It is Wednesday, June the third, and we're gonna talk about our little wish list. Uh, that we want in the new frontier pass however that topic will wait because first we want to talk about what happened in the last civ show so to quickly summarize well i have an advantage here because the most drama in that game happened between me and zoe and uh, he's not here right now to plead his case so. oh <laughs> yes why don't you take that away then what happened between you and zoe in the last uh, civ show so in the last game we played i played as the persian empire and zoe was the ottomans um, and we played on Inland Sea, and somehow I spawned between both Moy and Zo. And even though there was a whole other half of the map that was completely un, unsettled, um, within the first 10 turns, or I think it was 15 turns, um, on my second settler, uh, Zo declared war and stole my settler. Um, and then ran away with the settler. I still, f- I still find it super hard to believe that we all spawned on the same side of the map. Like... I definitely thought two people would spawn on opposite (laughs) sides and then a guy would be like right beside another person because that's that was my experience when I did a three player duel in Lancy. The fact that we just all spawned at the bottom side of the map was so off putting and so like I was so thrown off like, okay, what do I do? Like, I don't I didn't want to join in on like a like a two on one situation. So I'm like, okay, I don't really want to take sides here. So I'm just going to go and kill all the city states. So while they were having their battle, I, w- I killed two out of the three city-states in the, in, the, in the game. Now, I couldn't have my Poetic Justice in that game because I thought Poetic Justice would be, he declares war on me when I'm the, I'm the um, civilization that peaks first, right? So yeah. he's taking on yeah. Persia when I get my special unit, like immediately out the gate almost. Um, and I didn't. I kind of, I made some mistakes. I, I agree with it at the end of the game, and I thought about it all week. Um, that it's the, the mistake was still to try to steal that that city on the coast. I should have just gone for his capital. I would have taken his capital. I'm almost certain it was open. It was you know open terrain with my immortals. I would have been able to do it. Um, he had he had walls on one of his cities on the south side. I remember, um, but I think you could have at least threatened that with all of the units that you had. I, there's always like you know you have to now you have to consider military strategy. Like you have to get in as many people to attack it once. At, at, at a single time right so you only had you had like a choke of one narrow hallway essentially between two coasts and you can only move one unit at a time over a river and through that chokehold and you were just dying it's like watching the what was it the persians go into uh Thermopylae, sparta yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so it was kind a of disaster like, kind of like thermopylae i guess uh oh yeah it's kind of you know historically pretty right, accurate yeah um <laughs> Except I didn't let it last uh, three days. I let it last like like the longest time during the game. Like so, um, yeah. I think I should have done that. Uh, I and then also I would have that would have allowed me to capitalize on his main mistake. I still think it was a mistake for him to just start spamming siege units for like no good reason. Um, it's just because he produces them faster. I get that, but they're not good against the units I was building. Right, like so, he can just get more of them out. So I think he can. I, I I'm not sure what the math was, but I'm. I think he can produce a siege unit faster than he can produce like a an archer or a crossbowman, right? Since he receives that bonus, uh, maybe he was also planning to kill your units and then move on with those siege units to your maybe. cities. 
So it could have been like a double, like, I'm going to invest in something I can use both right. times. He denied the whole offensive war thing when I brought that up. I was like, oh, you're building siege units. So obviously that goes against your whole, I'm going to play defensively. Right. Um, yeah, siege right. units usually scream, I'm coming at you um, and I'm going to take your cities. Uh, and so the only thing that came for me is, uh, at least in my on my end, I also had a choke for my city that bordered him. Um, and so that kind of stopped him from being able to do that. But yeah, that was, yeah, that was kind of a lot of drama. Um, I lost my cool probably for like the better part of the game. And then I just played on tilt basically the entire time. Um, well, at least I, now <laughs> you know how to like build, build units and like build a military. Like that was all good. You were up, keeping up with that the whole time. Now it's just the placement of your units and are they, are they placed well, right? Is this the most optimal thing I can do? I'm going to still give myself props for being able to exceed the Ottomans the entire game in science and culture. And <laughs> even though I had like half the cities he had, um, yeah. I was still able to do that. So I know how to maximize my city's outputs at least. Um, but yeah, I played I played on tilt the entire game. And then it just got worse. Like I think I went full tilt after the barbarians raised my city to the ground. That was bad, dude. I felt so bad. I didn't I didn't I didn't take that well. So <laughs> no, I wouldn't have either. I would have, I would have been so angry. I, I think I would have like, been done. I'm like, I'm done for the night. Like, yeah, I, I don't want to play anymore. I almost started spamming the chat because the chat was like, hey, you're leaving it undefended. I was like, Excuse <laughs> me, chat, leave me alone. <laughs> That's the, the bar- Civ can get you really heated. It's like it's such a long investment in the game. And then suddenly something like everything goes wrong. You're like, why am I wasting my time? And you just get so angry. Well, I know I feel also it. Also, because I'm on the show and. I want to be a good sport and everything, but like I thought that after that happened, I was like immeasurably behind that would make it <laughs> like I'm just kind of going through the motions, I guess, at this point. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, Dude, Civ Show podcast is just like a behind the scenes look of like what we truly feel during the show. <laughs> like how angry were you? Yeah, I played on tilt. It was cool. Um, hopefully I don't play on tilt uh, next game. So. But yeah, uh, Zoe's not here to defend his purpose of why he stole my settler like right out the gate. No, he he he'll do that. That's that's just like aggressive multiplayer, right? I mean, like like I do understand why he did it. I I don't think I would have done it to you, but if it was him that put his settler there, I would have done it to him. Just because like I know you're still kind of new. I don't really want to like bully you, so like I wouldn't do it to you. I would be like, hey, like just an FYI, you should probably protect this guy next time. If it was Zoe, 100%, he knows he should be protecting his settler. I would t- capture that 100% of the time. Like, I justify what he did. I don't really justify to the person he did it to. To be fair to me, I know to do that, but I was taking a risk because I didn't want to wait for the escort to get back to start escorting the settler. I wanted to fast expand as fast as possible, so I thought maybe I can get away with it. Um, I just want to make him feel bad for beating up on me. I'm the new guy in the block, right? So any 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 sympathy points I can try to like squeeze out of that, I, I tried to do that. So that was probably <laughs> his way of saying like, like, you should do this next time. Kind of like when I was Mongolian, I took over your whole city and I'm like, this is what you should do next time. Like be aware that this could happen to you at any point. Um, I think part of the reason why you beat him in science too, by the way. Uh, so when I threatened him, right? Oh yeah, I he threatened changed all him, the policy cards, yeah. He changed all of his policy cards and then he built a ton of Janissaries, which costs population for everyone that he builds. So his population was just going down and down and down as I just kept threatening him and threatening him and threatening him and I was doing nothing. But his environment, his like cities were not thriving anymore because he couldn't have the population to sustain it. And so his, his campuses went down and everything like that. 
you guys playing off each other, that was like the perfect example of the prisoner's dilemma or the security dilemma. So um, since we're talking about civilization, civilization is a good exercise in knowing how international relations can actually occur, even though it's a very simplified scale. But yeah, no, essentially I, I speaking, agree. the prisoner's dilemma or the security dilemma is when um, the prisoner's dilemma is a game that imagine if you're you and a prisoner are captured, you're in separate rooms. And if you the police are trying to interrogate you to rat on the other person and if you rat on them and they don't rat on you, you get off scot free and they go to jail. Yeah. If you both yeah. don't cooperate, then you both only get minimal sentences. And if you both rat each other, then you both go to jail for a long time. And it's a game that shows you that it's actually the best thing to do is always to cooperate with your partner, um, even though you don't know what they're going to do. Okay, I thought it was always to rat somebody out because the scenario, best case scenario is better, I, I thought. Yeah, but if you play the game over and over and over again, because you, the best outcome for you is if you rat and they don't, but if they learn that that's what you're always going to do, then they're always going to rat you out. And so the worst case outcome is when you both rat each other because then you both go to jail. But if you both cooperate with each other and not rat each other out, then it's the best outcome for both of you. But the point of that is that you're not, you don't know what the other person's going to do. Like I've know, heard this but, scenario many times, right? But, but the thing is, even if you don't know what they're going to do, when you do it over and over and over and over again, it's always best to cooperate. But how do you, how do you know if you're cooperating? The idea, the idea is that in the prisoner's dilemma, when you apply it to international politics is that it's not a one-off, right? Right. Uh, countries okay. continually interact with each other and they eventually should learn that it's better to cooperate with each other than to keep on screwing each other over because then the other person's going to keep on trying to screw you over, right? And so it's try to create a pattern of behavior, not a, not a one-off. In the one-off scenario, yes, it's always best to rat out the other yeah, person. Yeah, that's because that's what I was thinking, like game theory kind of thing, right? But in, in, as the game, in, in civilization, the game lasts hours, Right. And there are multiple times where you and the other person will interact with each other. And so it's always best for both parties to cooperate and actually communicate. And the security dilemma is the international relations version of that. So what happens in the security dilemma is when the Cold War happens or when an arms race happens. Whenever and that's what um, I was doing to Zoe, right? Yeah. yeah so okay. Okay. The first major arms race in the 20th century was between Britain and Germany. They were building dreadnoughts, um, battleships. Um, and when countries do that, they almost always do so because they're scared about their own defense. They never really intend to use the military against their opponent. They're afraid of what the opponent's going to do. And so they go into this spiral where they keep on building up arms. And if you don't communicate with your rival, they will just interpret you building an army as you trying to attack them as opposed to you. Like, so that's what happens in civilization in real time, right? We see each other's army markers go up. And we always assume that it's because they're preparing for an attack. But in reality, most of the time we do it because we're afraid of an attack from the outside. Right? <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, for those who don't know, for those who don't know, last session, I basically started a cold war with Raising Zozo. Uh, I threatened to take one of his cities and then I made, made him change all of his policy cards to military policy cards so he can build up his army. Meanwhile, I was not building an army. I already had an army. And I was just maintaining that and building economy 
to beat his economy. And he had to build Janissaries, which if you don't know, is the Ottoman unique unit that costs one population and it replaces the musket man. So every time he built it, and he built a lot of them, yeah, it costed him one population every time, every time, every time. And so he, like the max city he had was like six population by the end of the game. It was pathetic. And then he had like no farms, no builders. His whole land was on fire because he couldn't build builders. He was too busy building military, trying to get the military out. He couldn't recover from his war with you because he was just too threatened by the Cold War now, <laughs> that I started. The the in real life versus civilization, the it won't really work because even though it's best if we communicate with each other for our intentions, you don't know if the person's gonna turn around and just betray you. And that happens in the game more often because let's face it, like in, in actual game civilization, there are no consequences, right? No, it's like, just a game. It and it ends. There's an end, right? Yeah. Like, so um, but but it's a good exercise in how that dynamic plays out, right? When people are doing things, you're interpreting their actions one way, but they may intend it a completely different way. Um, and the idea behind the security dilemma is if you don't have open communication with each other, then th you can only go by what you interpret what they're going to do. <laughs> kind of like uh, settling a, a settler on a continent, you know, just... With no communication, I can only interpret yeah. See, what's there. Notice how, <laughs> notice how my criticism of you is always in that language where you don't communicate what you're going to do and then I can only interpret your moves as aggressive. <laughs> that's, no, I, I, that's, that's completely fair. Uh, I, I, I get it. I, I'm not, this is not the first time I've been told I'm very bad at communicating. So it's not, it's not news to um, me. And so, yeah, but it was a very interesting game from a drama standpoint. There was drama between me and Zoe. It and then was. there's drama between you and Zoe. I feel like whenever there's drama, he's like the common denominator when it comes to that. Like he's always involved somehow. Well, we have we had drama too, right? Oh, yeah, I guess. Like yeah. We had drama versus Grand Colombia and when I was playing Brazil. And then we had drama even before that with uh I like with well, Germany and, Mongols, and yeah, whoever you're playing. Yeah, in Germany, yeah. like I, I don't know. It's. <laughs> I think the difference is usually our conflict, or even Norway. And when you, who were you playing when I was playing Norway? Um, Hungary. Oh, uh, Hungary. Yeah. Yeah. That that was probably the best conflict that we've had. Was that that war there? Otherwise, it's not. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't last too long. It lasts maybe ten yeah, turns. That one we fought each other. That one we fought each other to a stalemate. But we did. That was a that was a tough war, and like, that was. That was a perfect example of not capturing your city, but just crippling you. And like just, you know, pillage. A couple units died, but I knew you couldn't advance. Like whatever. And you couldn't recover. Like the longer this war goes on, the longer you cannot recover. So you can decide if you want peace or not. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 it was a good game though. Uh, last game was a pretty good game though, I think. It was, it was, it was fun. Last last game, like like I didn't want to take advantage of you guys going to war and fat and rapid expand everywhere. Like I've said before, um, that was the easy way to win. I feel just rapid expand, build up science, whatever. I still did out teching you guys, but I did it in a way where I it was different. Like it was more unique. And I was more uh, I was happier with the outcome. Uh, so I, if you don't know, I took the two two out of three city states on the northern side of the map. Uh, we can only have relations with one of them. And me and the Stagmas are back and forth, Caesarian of whoever it was. Uh, but it crippled Zoe's economy deeply. He trades with city-states like crazy because he's he knows he's going to go to war with somebody. He changes all of his trade routes to city-states because he values gold. He'll never do domestic trade routes. I don't know yeah, why. And, 
Um, that, that was like one of my, I, I agree with your criticism on that one because um, domestic trade routes are like clutch. Yeah. I use them to, whenever I build a new city, I wait for, I, I expand, I wait for a trade route to open up and then I immediately like buy a trader in that city to domestic trade with my city so that the production and the food go up so it grows faster. Yeah, it's really good. And then when you go into the dark age, you get the plus domestic trade card, which he didn't use when he purposefully went in the dark age. I don't under like he could have had massive population in the cities. That was his problem. He didn't have population because he couldn't build builders. But you ha he had already a ton of trade routes. He had an opportunity. He didn't take it. Um, uh, if you get like to the point where you tech to communism, you get like all this crazy domestic trade route bonuses, too. Um, he so, never got there. He wasn't even close. I know. He was but, an emergent uh, republic. Yeah. I remember when I first teched there and like all my domestic, tra domestic trade routes like skyrocketing, like all my cities grew like super fast. Um, and so, yeah, I, I agree. Like he doesn't use those domestic. He wants the gold. He uses it. He thinks he could just like, like one thing you could tell him is you can't buy population with gold, man. That's one thing you can't buy with it. You gotta, you gotta balance it, man. You gotta balance it. Maybe budget a little bit. But yeah, uh, but we'll see what he has to say about it. We'll ask him maybe. All right, we're going to take a little bit of a break here. Uh, what do you guys think? Do you guys use domestic trade routes at all or do you prioritize international trade routes whenever you can? Uh, we'll be right back and we're going to be going over the new tier list. We're going to be adding all of the civilizations that we just played into the tier list based off of our professional opinions because we're very professional civilization players, you know? Yeah, and uh, we'll be right back. And we are back. Welcome back to the Civ Show podcast, a podcast about everything civilization. We suck, so you don't have to. We're going to be going over uh, the new, not the new, I guess, but some more civilizations into our Civ Show civilization tier list. Say that five times fast. Uh, and uh, it's going to be the Macedonians, the Ottomans, and the Persians. So, um, who should start? Should I start? Should you start? Do you want me to start? Uh, you can go first, yeah. Okay. You won the game, so, so let me go first. Sh sure. So Macedonia, I've read a bunch of articles about how, like the average use case for Macedonia, right? So in single player, I would I can imagine they are really good. Um, people are always building wonders, right? So it, nobody, not a lot of people built wonders this game, but eventually start, people started to, partially because of you guys' early war. But if there wasn't that early war, I still wonder if wonders would have been built because of Macedonia's ability. So when they capture a city with a wonder, all of their units fully heal every time. And so if they capture one city with a wonder and it, just a massive heal and they can just keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing, it's a non-stop threat. And plus the no war, war weariness bonus, um, even if people die in the front line, it doesn't matter. My, like. Our, my cities will never be unhappy just because of that. So, you know, uh, Macedonia is just this ongoing threat that as soon as you declare war on them, they don't even have to, they never have to declare peace. They can just keep going. It's your kind of civilization. You never have to declare peace. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I read a lot of articles about how they are up there in the, in the tier list. I hesitate because I don't want to have our tier list top heavy and so maybe this is where the reorganization could start to happen um 
when I think about Macedonia and I think about how important wonders are and how uh, usually everybody builds them in a couple of cities early on. They also have very early unique units, two units, one of them being a horseman that starts with a free promotion. The other one being a swordman that has plus combat strength when dealing damage to walls. That one's really good too. Um, I wouldn't put them at S tier because I feel like they're unique. Um, I don't know. They're like, I just, I don't think they're S tier. Maybe they are. I don't know, man. This is tough. I'm like, okay, so I'm debating S tier because everything flows together in their civilized. All of the abilities flow together really nicely. Everything's gone towards war just because just like Grand Colombia. It's like everything's towards war. Two unique units. Their unique building is a unique um, barracks that produces, you get 25% of the production costs unit. So if it costs 100, you get 25 science. So every time you produce a unit, you just gain science, right? So you never have to build campuses. You Go can ahead. say what? that, you know, they, they do flow together, um, but it is very much geared towards domination victory. It is, right? but it flows. Um, it, oh, so you're seeing like the, the variety of, yeah. of wind conditions. So right? again, mm. like, it's all okay. about, I mean, Zoe got into this argument last time, right? It's about what do you designate as, what does it mean to be S tier, right? What does it mean to be A tier? Um, and, okay, and, good and point, so good point. And one of my things that's really important for determining that factor is how many victory conditions can I, you know, can I go for reasonably and, and be able to accomplish? Um, and so that just gives you more avenues for victory. For example, if the Macedonians are geared towards domination victory and their special units are early on, how good is your domination victory going to do for you when we tech to the modern era? Will that dissipate and make it much more difficult for you to make that 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 push? So it really depends on like how early of how good of a start I have as Macedonia. If I have a really good start, I capture a few cities, I can roll, I can bulldoze, I can stop building military if I need to and just like science victory, right? Um, but I do like your point there where you have to have a good game, good early game. You need to have a good early game. If you get like, if you fail early, you're screwed. Like you are just screwed. Okay, so with that said, um, th I think they're close to S tier because they can snowball really, really, really hard. Uh, just kind of like how I think I kind of snowballed through it. Um, I, I love that they they have si they get science just by building military. So you never I built like maybe two campuses, and like the rest I just built military, and it, I had a crazy science. So um, I think I think I'm gonna put them in A tier, but like a high A tier, like above above Brazil, above Maya, like a really high A tier, uh, super low S tier, I would think. So like they're like they're really up there. I, I like how they play. They're a lot of fun if you like the domination victory, or if you like just military in general, because they want constant war all the time. And I agree with that. I, I would, yeah, I would say that they're solid A tier. Um, like that early, that early advantage is, is hard to beat. Cause again, everything snowballs, right? So like if you dominate early game, then you won't have trouble with the other avenues to victory later on because you've already established yourself as a pretty powerful. Um, yeah. So uh, take, for example, player. if they were to attack Grand Colombia, they can't get themselves established to get their uh, Lineros and they can get themselves established. Like by the time you get Lineros, I might have like a tech above you, which they can 
handle, I understand. But, you know, it, there's a, the possibility that I, the, the out tech is there, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I think solid A tier. And, and again, um, I know that you're worried about it being top heavy, but again, we haven't been playing enough of the civilizations. And currently the ones we have been choosing have been pretty, the, the ones that are like known to be um, like pretty decent too, right? Um, yeah, so, I guess that's true. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, and so like we go on to my uh, uh, civilization, which is the Persians, which is probably one of the better civilizations in the, in the entire game, to be honest. Right. Like they're they're I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the Persians. I never played them, but every time I face somebody who plays them, they always lose. <laughs> so heavily geared towards domination or culture victory. Right. With their abilities. Um, what makes so, them culture? Because every one of the domestic trade routes gives them culture. Right. Every single so trade route. So that's not tourism, though. Like you got to produce tourism to get a culture victory. I know, but if you um, have a lot of culture, then it's easier for you to to tech through your um, your civilization, um, and it makes yeah. it okay. easier to get to the point where you can have enough production to like build wonders and stuff. Right. Fair. I know. Fair. I know that. Okay. I know that um, tourism is important for the culture victory, but you can't forget the culture part of the culture victory as well um and so you need both of those um and so really geared towards that kind of that that kind of again early game is is the is critical right um because that's where your special units are the immortals right but there's this little the little things too like where the roads are always teched one higher than everyone else's means that mobility through your empire is extremely fast right especially as time goes on um and i think it's a little overrated personally i don't know i thought it was it was great like in the later game like when you're in that middle stage in the mid game like you're you yeah i game, guess right um and so the downside though is i can't give them as good high marks as macedonia because their domination victory strength isn't as good as theirs right they don't get the same benefits with war weariness now granted i can i can declare surprise wars and I don't get hurt for that, right? But it doesn't yeah, help me. If someone that that plus two me. movement is also really good too. And that's what that, I think that's maybe that why Zoe did that to me last game because it took that away from me. If I declare maybe. a surprise war, then I get all this awesome benefit and stuff, right? But he declared war on me, right? And so it's different. Um, and so uh, someone can easily take away your advantages, right? Depending on the situation. If someone thinks that you're imminently going to attack them, they can declare war on you and preempt you. Right, because then they don't get their bonuses for declaring war. Yeah, right. That's true. And so um, you can catch them off guard, and so I'm actually leaning more towards because they're not like particularly geared for science. They're not particularly geared for um, anything later than the mid game, doing very well. I actually would put Persia into the B tier, um, high B tier, low A tier. And I would I wouldn't even say high B tier. I don't know. I think so. They're immortal. So everybody talks how how good these immortals are and stuff like that. Like to me, immortals are archers, right? They're mainly archers who have a strong defense. That's it. So like, yeah, I understand. Like they're worse than swordsmen, right? So a swordsman could hypothetically kill a, a immortal, but it's harder to kill an immortal than it is to kill an archer. That's where their strong suit is. Is that like it's just a strong defensible archer but it's an archer and so you know when you are facing spear uh, horsemen you're they're gonna get crushed they're like you can get the ability to where i think it's 
I don't know. Do they, I guess they count as a melee, so they you, you don't, they don't get the bonus of like the bonus against ranged and siege. So maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong there. No, they they count as a melee unit. Yeah, so they they would have the, to. So basically, immortals are melee units that can shoot. That's basically okay. Right. Okay, but in my mind, they're just ranged units with stronger defense. It in my head, because you would never. Maybe you would, but I would I would not really see a lot of scenarios or a lot of use cases where a melee attack is better than a ranged attack just because you don't take damage from the ranged. And if they're going to attack you anyway, that's almost like a free melee attack against them. So the thing with them is that they're fantastic defensive units. Yes. Now, the idea that they're supposed to do is that they're not supposed to rush into the enemy. They're supposed to kind of stand their ground and shoot at the enemy before attacking them. So the idea is... okay. You shoot at them, you soften them up, and then you attack with your melee attack after that. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So like they, you have, they have to kind of come towards you, right? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So it's almost like, hey, I want to go kill that swordsman over there. But as you're moving towards the swordsman, the swordsman can shoot at you. Yeah. 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 Okay. I, I don't know. I don't think they're, I definitely do not think they're A tier. Um, I just don't think that, you know, the plus one to roads is that great personally it's just me maybe i don't know i i don't think it's that great like i said that that's why in the game i was really upset that i wasn't able to keep everything continuous because i lost that that key advantage yeah i i, I just i don't know i don't know because like it gets replaced later on if you get aerodromes you can like flyer units or if you build railroads like maybe your railroads are better too I, okay. I i'm not sure have you ever built a railroad yet I, I experimented with it, okay. right? Uh, this was like a while ago. I experimented with it. So from what I understand, it also increases the gold along the trade route that the road is on if you complete it, right? So you get more gold per turn. Uh, and then it's you get more movement on it as well. So you can move really far on railroads. Like you can move through your entire civilization pretty much in one or yeah, two turns. But- when, by the time you're able to build railroads, though, like I feel like the units can already move pretty far by right after that. Like as soon as you start building tanks, they can like move halfway across the map. Like in yeah, because because like, tanks are are are, are uh, cavalry, right? Cavalry have more. But movement. even but, but if you right after the tank is that, and the infantry can turn into mechanized infantry, <laughs> like paratroopers, right? Well, they're, they're yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't know. I okay. That, that kind of also builds on the point that I don't, I think that even upgraded roads are overrated. But they're important in the early and mid game, right? The reason why, the only reason why I say that is that roads are built automatically through trade routes, whereas railroads are like really, I don't know, I find them a pain in the ass to build, to be honest. You have to build one engineer and he can build unlimited, unlimited railroads. I'm just, I'm just saying like, you have to like, it, it's, it's it is more of a pain. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. It's like back to Civ five days where you had to manually build the roads with one builder. Right, you just like build roads everywhere, just start connecting my cities. <laughs> you have to do that with the military engineer. So yeah, it's a I little remember, annoying. I remember the old days when uh, in Civ Four, I would just tell my workers to auto do stuff, and they would just auto right, build yeah. roads everywhere, like you auto improve. Um, the, those are the days, man. Civ Five as well. Those are the days. Build one builder for your entire civilization, and just let him auto build. Just let him do his thing. Remember those times? Wow, crazy. Yeah, the only bad thing <laughs> is that sometimes they would make the stupidest mistakes, though. Like, <laughs> it's true. Like early on, early on, they just build farms everywhere. Farms are because you need to grow your cities. <laughs> farms are king. Farms are king. Uh, let's move on to the Ottomans. I know that raising Zozo is not here, but 
I think I I feel I have a ranking on them. I don't know how you feel you have a ranking on them. Um, from what I understand, so they're good at sieging. They're very good at sieging. They're very good at building a military quickly because of their new their their governor, the unique governor, giving them plus production to uh, military units. I felt like Zoe maybe dropped the ball a little bit when he didn't build enough encampments because those also give you a bonus to producing units. And so he could have stacked it and built a ton of units out of one city all the time and then just like built an economy in all of his other cities. But he, I think, tried to focus too much on military and he didn't have the established production line to build it. So he spent a lot of turns building military that he couldn't afford to use. I think the Janissary is an incredible unit at a cost that if you don't use it or if you if they die, if one of them dies, it is so costly because it's like it's like dying to like letting go of your settler. It costed yeah. you a population. It went to go do a job. It didn't do its job. It's costly. I don't think they're that OP for like how much they cost, right? Like they, they cost a lot. Uh, they cost half the production of a musketman, and they're stronger than a musketman. But what I mean is, they cost the population, right? Like, yeah, they cost the population. I think that's a heavy cost, actually, because you can't just spam them. Yeah, well, right. because they're so strong. Yeah. But yeah, that that's that was like the setback. So I do like that balance. I think that was a really clever way to balance that type of unit. Um, also, there's a really clever way to implement something like that, where there was like, yeah, they really like niter, they really like gunpowder, but, and they have, we, we want to make this really good unit, but it's a little too good. So how do we do it? Oh, let's make it cost a population. I thought that was really clever, but it only costs a population if you don't conquer a city. Also part of the reason why I wanted to take the city states, because I didn't want him to take it and start doing that. Right. So he had to come now take my city if he wanted to produce free Janissaries. Um, I would rank them i would rank them b tier as well personally yeah you agree yeah i agree what do you what are your thoughts about them so again like i again it's all how you imagine how the the pathway to victory right um like it's cool that they get all these production bonuses but they they peak these production bonuses peak um like mid game right right when the ottomans were at their height um and so it's it's still not giving you the advantage in the late game for the science victory, production wise, um, not as much at least, um, and so you don't get like a the industrial sector like you know some of the other like you know for example Germany gets that that its own factory basically. Um, in addition, um, like sieging is awesome, but I, I a lot of things like the whole thing is just focused on sieging, but not on the actual army that has to take the city. Right, like the siege units can like bombard the cities and destroy the walls and everything, but the units that actually do the the ground fighting cost a lot. Like making a janissary yeah, the, population is, is yeah, expensive. the janissary would be the um, ideal. Um, and so I think like they have so many moving parts, they have to be so aware of like all their different uh, downsides that it's very difficult to coordinate and not like shoot yourself in the foot. The There's a very specific window. Like you have to capture your first city before the Janissaries. Like you need to. So you need to get that catapult out. You need to capture a city. If you don't capture that city, 
you're screwed. So that condition is it's also a risky condition. That means you got to go to war. Like you need to build a military. So if you're building a military, you're falling behind in something. You're falling behind in science. You're falling behind in economy. You're falling behind in culture. I know that he will never fall behind in economy. So he's going to build that economy and fall behind in something else, in which was science and, and culture. culture. His he culture couldn't keep up. His, his culture was atrocious for like half the terrible. year. Terrible. It was um, terrible. And so I think that it's just so their pathway to victory is so complicated, unlike the Macedonians, which is like clear, like, hey, here's all this awesome stuff you have to do that requires no thinking on your part, right? Like your ability to heal all your units, taking a city with a wonder, that's just like an added bonus. It that's it's, it's such a crazy right? ability. It's it's like an it's an added bonus for taking the city because it allows you to heal and then immediately move on to the next city, right? Yeah. Without having the wait. Um, and so it, it, it's supposed to, the way they do that is to historically show how well Alexander was able to take over the Persian empire during his, his thing. He, they basically took it over in, in, in a blink of an eye, right? Like, um, they basically chased, um, the, uh, Persian ruler across the uh, empire, um, the entire time. And so it's, it's supposed to, it's supposed to mimic that. How did Alexander build that momentum? So the idea was, oh, he takes over a city with a wonder, all the troops are healed and, and all that stuff, and they just keep on pushing forward. Um, and so now that does make it kind of OP-ish in that sense, right? Because people build wonders in almost every city, right? Imagine the soothing voice of Raising Zozo, okay? Hello, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm well, guys. Sorry I'm late. All good. So we want to, we're ranking the Civ lists and we're, mm. we got on the Ottomans. We put Macedonian A, high A, low S, but like we weren't sure. Um, we put the Persians in B and we put the Ottomans. I'm not going to tell you where we put them, but where would you put them based off of how they felt to you? It's so tricky because... Um... I did them a great disservice by uh, that war with Persia. Um, I think if I'd gone with my original plan, um, which was uh, expansion and like rapid expansion, but like not going to war right away, especially with, you know, prime Persia when they're just ready to. Uh, but I also was able to test the vindictive levels of, of nystagmus, So that was good. Um, I, I still really like the timing of their uh, golden age. Uh, I think if you do it right, uh, Renaissance industrial age, you can time it for a heroic age. Um, and uh, they just, they have bonuses that, I don't know, I, I felt more or less stayed pretty consistent um, throughout the game. That said though, uh, I would, they're definitely not S tier. They're definitely, no. they're definitely not uh, at the top. And I, I really do wish I'd, I'd played them the way that I hoped to play them um, because I believe that they are an empire builder um, and uh, early war is not their thing. And just the, the power of their economy, I think, could be fantastic. And I just, I did so many things wrong. So I, I would have to say they're probably in the AB, between AB, um... I, you know, the, the, they're, they're definitely a later stage Civ, uh, especially, you know, you don't take their great person right away. It's not a big bonus to take their special general. Um, what is, what is that? Oh, the governor, the, the governor. governor, the special governor. Yeah. Sorry. Right. Um, right. Uh, especially like it's, it's strategically invaluable, but like all the stuff later on 
that gives all the surrounding combat bonuses. Um, you know, that it, those are like level three stuff. Um, so it's, it, it, that, that tells me that this is a sieve that's in their prime. Like, you know, you get that general, you get that governor later, you get that in the, you know, you, you start building them up in the Renaissance and, and into the industrial era. I thought, I thought it would be like whenever you start to go to war kind of thing like okay now i need to produce more units like I need yeah this. yeah now. like so that's good for the getting it going but it's later stuff is more like so if i can send it to your capital and i can have that units friendly units nearby it get a plus five combat bonus you know and while we're at war i can have that going on that's that's pretty awesome um i think they'd be fantastic in an ally game like where you actually have allies because i believe if you're an ally with somebody that their units are considered friendly. Um, so yeah, I, I, I would say the Ottomans are, I'm going to say B, B tier. I'm going to give them a B, a B tier rating. Now, like, I don't think I got to see them uh, at their best, but I also think, um, I think they might be better in a larger game. Um, and, uh, you know, the, I think a lot of their bonuses come into play um, in the latter, latter eras, um, when they, you know, start conquering, uh, it's like, I didn't get to use their ability for plus one amenity, plus four loyalty at all. So I didn't conquer any cities. Um, so I didn't get to see them in their prime. Um, I also think they're a sieve that, you know, once they've had their industrial, like Renaissance industrial era boom, uh, which is where they get their Corsair and their Grand Vizier and their Janissary. Um, then after that, like you better have hoped that you conquered a bunch. Um, I think that, that that's when they would start to decline. Um, they're, you know, they're, and by that, I mean, like, you know, their, their abilities aren't going to get that much better. Um, you know, once you build your, your Grand Bazaar, it's done, right? Like you're, you know, there's not a whole lot more you can do to, so I don't know. It's it, I think they're definitely they probably have a they kind of flatline. Um and um I don't know how good they would have fared as if we had gone into like so yeah, so we also put them at B tier. Um we think the pop the cost of population for a Janissary is very costly. It's you need to capture a city before you can start producing those units. But then I took the city states, so you couldn't take one of those and start producing Janissaries, right? So then that kind of that whole strategy was gone. The now, window. I did have a lot of Janissaries because you got to remember you did because I, I can upgrade a warrior to a Janissary and that's not going to cost me population. Oh, right? really? Yeah. So that's not okay. going to cost me population. Um, and it's dirt cheap because so, your population was suffering, too. Yeah. My my well, my uh, yeah. Oh, you know, part of this was also the map was horrible for me. Um, you know, inland sea, at least for my area, had no rivers. Um, so I essentially had cities that couldn't grow. I don't think my pop my, my capital went above six. Um, and they're, they're, yeah, that's, they're that's like, if you looked at where I could actually build farms, even there was no, I was not getting the adjacency bonus for feudalism, having an adjacent farm there, there, there's, it was just, it was too, uh, the, the arable land had things in between it. Um, that were not mine or that were not um, that you couldn't build a farm on or were a critical resource. Um, so my capital being I, I couldn't get it above six. That was a really big setback. The only city I even had that could grow 
uh, was the one that, you know, back and forth. I think it was Monster Island that, you know, you're Were you also filled with desert. I I had just a lot of sh- uh, shitty territory that um, uh, and, you know, you guys, I think we're in a similar boat uh, that not only could I not uh, build within a few squares of, of, of fresh water so that I could use the aqueduct to, you know, get that plus six. Um, they, I couldn't like at all, like, like I, I, there was room to expand, but they were cities that were going to be really small, uh, and they hmm. didn't have things to farm. And even where, like, I had a couple volcanoes, um, they were just really poorly located. That's where you can build your aqueduct though. So I, I, you can build your aqueduct beside your city center. It has to be beside your city center, but then it has to attach to a mountain mm-hmm. volcano, mm-hmm. mountain or river. But like I said, my two volcanoes were in terrible locations, uh, right, right at the edge of the map. One of them was surrounded by ice. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it just um, that makes me think that, uh, you, you know, any civilization that can't be super adaptable to its territory, that's that's a warning sign to me that, um, you know, for me, an S tier or A tier, like you're adaptable and your civ abilities you know, whatever it is, whatever you don't have an era, you know, you're, you're, you're able to yeah. sustain, uh, not like, like how I felt with the Mayans. I, I, I got that tweet. I have to respond to it. Um, that I felt like the cool thing with the Mayans is I felt that they had like, they started early and then their bonuses just kept stacking and it was worth it. Um, and that's any science civ. If you know, you're, you're, you're just, it shouldn't get, get better and better and better and better. So me and Nystagmus also talked about how you don't really do domestic trade routes at all. Do you think that would have helped you with yeah, the plus food it, to get your population? Yeah, it would have. Um, but the, my my economy was just so devastated, and it was the the war with Nystagmus made it that I wasn't able to, and and my low population made it that you know I got my campus, but then getting a um, a uh, a commercial hub um, wasn't necessarily something that I was going to be able to do with all my cities. So. Um, I had crappy trade routes. Yeah, if I'd uh, if I'd done the domestic trade routes, that definitely would have helped with population. But I had points where I was in negative money, and I hate that. Um, and um, you know, again though, I think that that game we should have had six city states, not not three. Um, that really limited who I could trade with because you know you're too far away, and I was at war with Nystagmus. And I didn't, um, <laughs> because of the timing of that war, I hadn't fully explored my northern ter- territory. So I didn't meet those guys. So had I not gone to war, you and me would have gone to war when you went to war with the city-states. And probably Nystagmus would have been with me because he had Fez and I was working on the other one. Um, but yeah, essentially, essentially what happened is exactly what I said was going to happen. Me and Nystagmus can't go to war together. If we want to have any chance of winning Civ against Moy, uh, we cannot go to war together, especially early on. Uh, we need to be working together uh, or at least have, you know, amicable relations. And uh, and I think if I had not taken that settler, it would have been a very, very, very different game. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree that Ottomans are probably B tier. I would even debatably put them in the C tier, but that's fine. B tier is okay. We can put them there. Uh, is there anything that we think we need to uh, reorganize here? So Grand Colombia, we have an S tier. Germany, we have an S tier. Brazil, we have an A tier. Maya, we have an A tier. Macedonia, we have an A tier. And then in B tier, we have Persia and Ottoman. I still think we're putting the uh, 
Brazilians too high. I think they're B tier. I think possibly, they're, I think they're, possibly. I think they're 100%. If you had had, say, the starting position I had had, I didn't have rainforests. Uh, you would, I think they're way too dependent. I think their military unit, it comes too late. Um, I think their, their, um, their adjacency bonus is too specific. Um, you know, uh, cause, uh, forest, if it was forest, forests are everywhere, but rainforest specifically middle of the map, um, you know, that's in your, your, your tropical zone. Um, so I would still challenge that. I think Brazil is like B tops. Um, okay. B tops. I would actually agree with that. Yeah. I, I was debating, like, I think I should relocate these guys. Like, I don't think. Uh, Brazil is that good. I just think I had a really you, ideal. You, you had an ideal. Start. Well, and you're you're really good with the adjacency bonuses. You you that's definitely a skill you've mastered for Civ. Um, and uh, it's, not really, but okay, <laughs> dude. You've got you've you're always have like the 180 science when we've got like 70. Um, you know that that's got to come from a mastery of adjacency. Am I unless you're using cheat codes? No, so part of it's city planning. The other part is just like. It's more knowing where to settle my cities. It's like, I know like, oh, there's mountains here. Oh, I can take advantage of that. And then I surround it with a government building. Tell me about, uh, tell me about the adjacency bonuses you had that game. For Brazil? Yeah. Oh my God, dude. They're like yeah. plus seven, plus eight. Yeah. It was nice. Yeah. Are you yeah. kidding? And like that wasn't just one time. Every building. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, for, for that reason, they're so, and you know, it's just like with, with the Mayans, I think if they get, I did very well with mines considering I only got one plantation and it was super far away, um, you know, and I didn't have luxury resources. Uh, you know, if I'd had those things, I think it would have been even way better just because of how huge my cities got, um, you know, so they 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 definitely if they have the bonus, it's even better. But I, I held my own even without it. Uh, I'm not convinced the Brazilians would hold their own without uh, without rainforest. That's fair. Okay, well, we're going to take a break and we're going to go into our last section here. We're going to talk about uh, a new civilization that I hope is going to be in the new Frontier Pass. Uh, and we will also talk about the future game, the next game of the Civ show. And we're going to be revealing the civilizations and the theme that we will be playing uh, as well. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Civ Show podcast, podcast of everything Civ. We suck so you don't have to. Let's talk about the new Frontier Pass. Let's say uh, they've only revealed three of the possible, is it nine or 12, 10, 11, 12? How many? Uh, 12. Okay. They've only revealed three of the possible 12 civilizations. So I thought it would be fun to try to come up with a civilization myself of what I would like to see in Civilization Six, So, I'll, I'll start. Um, I predicted, or I think, uh, if I was to release a new civilization in the game, I would like to see Switzerland. So, here is Switzerland's civ ability, and I don't, I don't have a leader for them. I don't know their history enough to have a leader, but I, um, definitely think they should use their neutrality as a uh as a civ ability so civ ability is called neutrality or true neutral or whatever you want to call it but it has to do with being neutral uh the first thing that came to mind was 
They have a bonus strength to units in friendly territory and a minus strength in enemy territory. I don't know how like neutral that is. I don't know if that really qualifies as being neutral. Uh, that was kind of the only thing I thought of that wouldn't be too game breaking. Uh, what are your thoughts? Say that again. Re so we're the plus plus combat strength in for units in friendly territory. So in your borders, but then minus strength anytime they're outside their borders. So they're only good. Or they're only stronger inside their borders and they're weaker outside their borders. As a true neutral, like don't get oh, I don't want to get involved with anything outside my land. But if you come to me, then I'll then I'll be involved kind of thing. I, I, I would I would see them more as um, your movement is impeded in their territory as opposed to an outright combat bonus, because uh, I think with with Switzerland, that's why they're so powerful. Well, not so powerful, but why they're so efficient is they're like in they're they're like super hard to invade. They're surrounded by mountains, and you know they like they. Uh, it makes it very very difficult uh, for like you know any like I'm, I'm I'm sure the Nazis thought of it more than once, um, and it just it would have been way too costly. Um, so I'd imagine something to do with. Uh, slowing down your unit um you know maybe if there was a bonus for combat I, maybe it's like a flanking bonus so nothing to do with really their neutralness but like they, they're just their territory i yeah because right? i think i think their territory their neutralness is more based on their geographic location there there's what they, if they just spawn near more mountains I think if anything, they're gonna they're gonna have adjacency bonuses for mountains, and I think it'll be something like. I haven't gotten to that yet. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. So, but yeah, I think I think there's gonna be a food adjacency bonus. I think more is on to the right side though, because it, even though it maybe their neutral stance has come across because of geography, it's become embedded in their culture now too, right? And and now mountains don't really pose a pose a threat to modern armies uh, in in the most cases. Um, and so I think going along the lines of how do you make it so A, they don't like to join wars with other people and B, people don't like to join wars against them, right? That's the two conditions to stay neutral, right? And so I think one would be they give you massive trade bonuses if you trade with them. I haven't gotten there yet, <laughs> but it's similar. It's similar. I would say, dude, I would say, give us, give us a, give us the whole the, thing. The, okay. The, the I'll give you the 60 whole thing. second. Give okay. us the whole thing that you think. So that's, that's their civability, neutrality. Uh, Switzerland is also considered one of the wealthiest countries in the world per capita. So because of that, I think also bonus to trade routes would be appropriate to that. I don't know what it would be called, um, but I was thinking incoming trades get plus three gold to all cities to the uh, to whoever's sending it to you. So if Zoe is trading with me, he gets plus three gold just from trading with Switzerland. Also gives them a reason to not go to war with Switzerland because of the good trade routes. Um, and then outgoing trades would also get plus three gold for Switzerland. So it's kind of like a, everybody, everybody gets more gold when Switzerland's in the game just because, again, they're neutral, but also they're one of the more wealthiest countries. So it makes sense that they would get more gold as well. Um, uh, also, I kind of wanted maybe uh, to play on the on the unique great people. I liked the unique great general, uh, the Grand Colombians introduced. So I was thinking more of a unique great merchant 
again, to kind of go on the one of them being the wealthiest countries in the world. And playing on the neutral bonus again, when that with this unique great merchant, it does uh, whatever ability like plus gold, but also gives plus one envoy to every city state. That's when you use it. That's kind of my thinking because they're friends with everybody kind of thing, right? Um, the unique building, called it the, get this, Swiss Chalet. It's uh, plus two food for all the chickens they have to murder. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> that is literally only a joke that Canadians will get. <laughs> oh, is it? Okay, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. No, but, but it's quite. It's Swiss legitimately Chalet. called Swiss the Swiss Chalet. Yeah. It's legitimately called the Swiss Chalet. Uh, it would be plus culture for every adjacent mountain tile. Uh, and also plus like 100% tourism to all ski resorts in that city. Uh, that's kind of what I had in mind for the Swiss Chalet. And then the unique unit is the Swiss Guard. So traditionally, the Swiss Guard is the military that protects the Pope, right? And with that in mind, I had two things that this could possibly work with, and I wasn't really sure which one it would do. There's the plus strength in city-state territory. So kind of like the, they're protecting uh, their friends. It could be plus strength in city-state territory and it, it, your religion is a majority religion as well. Or the most likely scenario out of all of these is the plus strength to uh, any territory where your religion is the majority. That's what I had in mind. Uh, everything I, There's probably more abilities that could go along with that, but that's kind of like the main one I had for the unique unit. It would be a anti-cavalry, a halberd. It replaces the halberd or pikeman, I guess. Um, cause traditionally they wield halberds, uh, and that would be Switzerland. Like that, that's, that's what I have for them. So neutrality, more trade routes, the Swiss LA, which is boosting culture and tourism and the unique unit, which is the Swiss guard thoughts. Um, so I'd hate to see a sieve that's basically just like trade Canada, like a Canada, but with trade. Um, so if I it has nothing to do with war though, like you can declare war on them, I, they can declare war on you, there's no penalties. Okay. So I would definitely think they would have a special ability that would be something like the Geneva Convention or something like that. I was thinking that too, and I couldn't, I couldn't come up with something. And it'll, it'll, it'll be something I think along the lines of, uh, so you know the the Canadians get like you get a you get a bonus when you for diplomatic stuff. They might have something like. Um, you can force two warring states to go to peace and you get a bonus for it. That's or, how you do that, though. Uh, like, so, well, I think, so this is the question. If they did Switzerland, would they make it a regular sieve or would they make it a freak sieve? And if it was a freak sieve, it would be a sieve like the Maori. It'd be a sieve like the, uh, the Colombians that have uh, a totally weird way of running their, 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 their game is all about. Okay. 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 Um, if they went that direction, I could see them doing that. They have something to manipulate because the Geneva Convention, that's, I think, if anything, that's what Switzerland, you know, would be. What if it was like a World for. Congress thing, like how uh, Sweden has unique ones, but it's like everybody has to declare peace and everybody votes on it. Well, this is the thing, though. Neutrality means that everyone's fighting around you. You just don't go to war with them. So I could also see something like you know, you can't perform the joint war action against them. Uh, there might be restrictions to Cassiabelli's 
maybe maybe um grieve like maybe you need double grievances to 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 do any of the Cassiabellis against them. Um, you know, something that's truly linked, but at the same time they can't antagonize, right? So um so you know, maybe similar to the Canadians can't declare sneak attack war. Um I could also see them doing something crazy and making them like Venice from Civ Five, where they say that, you know, you have Geneva and you work with city states. And it might be something it might it might be something that when when you're when you're them, so this could be a, a part of Geneva too, is every game they start with two city states near them. Um, mm. you know. Okay. So maybe they have something to do with Caesarian, maybe they have something to do with city states. Uh, that they're representing all the neutrals. Um, I could see something like that as well. Another thing you could do too is uh, maybe it's make it very hard to hold their cities if you capture them. Because loyalty. Maybe, yeah, I, I could see that. Or they're like they in they they maybe they even ha- they radiate um, where when cities flip they always flip to their original people. Um, but yeah, I could see that too. That something along the lines of they uh, they don't they're they're maybe their loyalty is higher. Um, for conquest, um, perhaps their, like their inner loyalty or even their outer. Well, loyalty. make make them make them that their cities are not worth taking. You know, something along those lines that uh, they're hard to keep. Um, or maybe when you conquer them, they always re- like right away they become um, neutral. Like they become the that would seem state. too crazy. But I understand. I understand the the thing behind it. I, I guess just make it harder. Right? You yeah. Need more loyalty. So they don't flip. That would be a good one. I think that would be a really good one. It's got to be, though, that all of their stuff has to be discouraging war. So they need to be a peace race. They need our civilization. They need to be um, that that uh, and they're about stabilizing the civilizations around them. I think that would be neat. I think that could be really cool. If that would be cool. Uh, Okay, cool. what about yours, Zoe? I know you wanted to kind of. Sure. So I um, originally you did say let's do a guess. And uh, instead of that, I ended up going, you know what? I'm going to guess what Ethiopia. So uh, I'm guessing Ethiopia is going to come out in July. And uh, that's going to be the new the new sieve that we see. Oh. Um, wow. It's a tough yeah, guess. Man. I, know, I don't know. I, know, I don't know. I know about that your one. powers of deduction. Your powers of deduction uh, surprise and shock. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> um, and I think unlike previous civs, like in Civ Five, they they based it on Ethiopia during World War Two. Uh, so like, um, and like they had some interesting, like they they had in Civ Five. I think it was uh, the Stele. It was like a monument, so they got that right early. So I guess they they were trying to show that Ethiopia is this long spanning, and it is. It's like. It's like, I don't know, what, like 480 uh, BCE is when um, uh, Ascad or whatever was the kingdom for the kingdom that became Ethiopia. Uh, so it is like one of the oldest um, governments, like civilizations in Africa. Um, so what I think, uh, unlike so in Civ 5, they kind of made them more of a, um, of a war uh, culture and faith, but war was their bigger thing. Okay. Um, I think that, that Civ six, they won't go with that direction at all. They'll go more historically with Ethiopia because Ethiopia was in this interesting position where essentially they're almost like a trade conduit between, weren't they like a kingdom between Ethiopia? Yeah. Yeah. The the kingdom of Ethiopia, like it was a couple of city states that working together, but yeah. Um, so they're in this really unique position between Africa, Asia, and Europe. 
and it was this trade conduit. Um, so I think that they're going to be a trade sieve. I think it's going to be something along the lines of like their stuff can't be pillaged, like their trade routes can't be pillaged. Um, and, or, or even, and, and, or that, um, they can utilize the trade networks of like, once you have trade with the city, uh, in another civilization, you can then utilize their trade network so you can extend the range. So I think it's going to be something where, uh, they're like this, the conduit of trade, uh, and they're able to connect, uh, civil, uh, like other people together through, through, through trade. It could be like um, trade that goes through Ethiopia, like Ethiopia gets a cut kind of thing. Like something like along one goal, those two lines. Yeah. Something along. And it, so it might even be like almost like with the Egyptians, when you have trade with Egypt, they give you this bonus um, where you have an option of extending your trade routes, but you have to, you, by going through Ethiopia. So it, like you get all your lists of things and then there'd be like a couple big juicy ones. You're like, wow, that's really good. That's like double what all my other ones are. Oh, it's the Ethiopian ability. I'm able to go through Ethiopia and utilize, and it extends, you know, and that makes it that, uh, as another civilization, I want, yeah, I want to have this conduit of trade in between. And that is my power as Ethiopia is that I'm in between all of these. Um, so the exchange, almost like what, uh, what Gandhi does for religion, how you can benefit from all the religion. I think it's yeah. going to be something like that. Something that would that be really cool. I like from that. All the trade. Yeah. Um, I, I could also see something along the lines of when you have trade routes with cities, maybe you gain access to some other luxury resources or, or something along. I don't know what the history behind that would be, but okay. <laughs> um, well, it's just any, something to do with trade. Um, I guess. Uh, they give yeah. or take. Um, I could see them having something equivalent of like economic alliances that they get earlier. Um, uh, I could see that. Or maybe they could make more than one economic alliance. Um, I think their unit would be something to do with archers. Uh, because like that was like once upon a time, like they had amazing archers. Um, and their infrastructure would be walls. I think they'd have something to do with walls for their infrastructure. Like ancient walls, um, medieval walls. Yeah, because Ethiopia, just in general, I actually think they might have a bonus for walls in general. So Ethiopia, until more recently, um, it, it was it was this staunch, like it was a defender trade nation that always had uh, people going to war with it, like like through African nations and uh, the Middle East, um, Portuguese, like all, the, and they repelled them. And, okay. and their warfare was always very defensive. It was always a very, very defensive warfare. Um, so I think it's going to be, they're going to have something along the lines of, maybe it's like any any unit garrisoned in a uh, city that has uh, walls gets an additional bonus, like a, a 10 bonus or something like that. Um, something to do that's 100% defensive. Uh, their cities are just a pain to take. Maybe they have uh, extra hit points, their city walls. Um, maybe they have extra defenses against siege, um, but that they're 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 just a pain in the ass to conquer. That's what I I think. Trade so and a pain in the ass to conquer. Would their archers also be similar to like Maya, where they have a bonus strength in their own territory? Um. Yeah, I could see, or or specifically when they're garrisoned, specifically when they're garrisoned in one of your cities. Okay. Um, I could see that that uh, that they get a bonus or even something crazy like a range bonus if they're garrisoned in the city. Um, you know that they then maybe they get a, they get a plus one range if, as long as the city or it might be garrisoned in a city with walls. Okay, if they wanted to add an additional 
um, difficulty to that. So, so what if also Ethiopia's unique infrastructure was something to do with desert? Um, like, what if they were build, able to build a unique sort of farm in a desert where they can grow food, but they can also, I guess, get bonus gold for the sake of like them being like a kind of like an economy type civilization? Um, I don't know how how deserty. I don't I don't know much about the geography of Ethiopia. Um, I'm just like, guessing it's in desert. I, I actually have no idea. <laughs> I don't know much about Ethiopia. I don't know anything. I, I am not a historian in any sort of way. Um, you guys know way more about any sort of history than I do. You know, I'm just kind of taking a whim off of there in Africa. I would guess there's a lot a, of desert it, there. It is like, a rugged landlocked country. So it's full of mountains, I guess. Um, hills. It's going to be filled with here. I can I can even good old Wikipedia um, can tell me the, the exact uh, climate uh that you got there um and it's one of the oldest civilizations i think it's like 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 two or three thousand years old yeah the dm in chat uh no desert savannah so savannah is just like grass savannah's grassland yeah yeah okay so they might play on that landlocked thing um you know, that's a big deal. Like there are very few, um, you know, big nations that are a hundred percent landlocked. Um, so I think they might play on that. Um, they, they, they might have, um, maybe something to do with rivers or something to do with the city size, uh, when, when not, but you know, kind of like the Mayans, um, I could see that. Um, but yeah, like, they're they're super they're super ancient they're way more ancient than many of the other civs that are in this game uh so there's tons of history for uh, them to draw on but the one common theme i did see in them uh, while i was researching them was that uh apparently throughout their history um they have repelled countless invasions and attacks uh and they know how to fight a defensive war so i, I kind of like the bonus to walls maybe like all of their cities have already a wall that'd be kind of crazy um is that would that be too crazy i don't think so i don't think so like after, start with after all cities start with an ancient after researching masonry yeah you just like everyone has an ancient wall but like that's it just an ancient wall because so, ancient walls aren't like that great and they can get out teched pretty easily once you get bombards and everything and even like having just melee units you can eventually get it down right so it's not i don't think it's too op i think it could be realistic they could even give them an ancient wall that you get at mining, you know, so that you just get it earlier. That might be, um, or, or that you just get your, your wall once you get mining. Um, who knows? Uh, I don't think there's very many sieves that their special is a wall. Uh, so that would be interesting because it's an iconic and critical part of, you know, a city. Um, how many civilizations get some kind of bonus linked to walls? There might be a couple, but Georgia is the literally the only one I can think of, and they only get like a it's only the Renaissance wall. I want to say doesn't France get something? For no, they get a, they get additional spy. Or... They get just additional spy oh, and like okay. more they... diplomatic visibility plus one more than something the regular. So yeah, 
even if it was something simple like they get an infrastructure bonus, like they get like a, a plus fifty percent production bonus, um, and um, you know, um, or if they got access to the defense civic earlier. You know, that's something that they, they've been doing lately is uh, more or less granting the bonuses of of a specific civic several, like, two steps before you get it. Um, maybe they have something like that. Okay, so let's move on to the next, uh, talking about the next Civ show and revealing the theme and the uh, civilizations that we will be playing. So, Nystagmus, do you want to take over and you wanted to uh, introduce the theme to the new uh, Civ show happening on Sunday at 7 p.m. So uh, what we are doing is the uh, battle uh, in Asia. Um, so all of our civilizations are from the uh, Asian continent. Um, and we are playing, I think we chose the continents and islands map. Yes, correct. correct. Okay, just making sure that's still true. Um, did you want me to start with my civilization? Uh, yeah, go for it. Okay, so I will be taking uh, command of the Japanese Empire. Um, and so um, I've been kind of practicing with them throughout the week. I'm really excited to, to play with them, actually, uh, uh, in the, the virtual fight with the Japanese Empire, um, especially um, utilizing those samurai, which is their unique unit, which they have a really crazy melee strength and they don't get weaker after they get hurt which is huge um and actually i've been having a lot of fun with their unique building the electric um, um electronics factory it's like a, a production powerhouse um, especially once you get it powered um, and so uh, i've been i'm looking really forward to getting it together i've been actually doing pretty good against the computer <laughs> um we'll see how that translates to human players uh this sunday and maybe i can finally um not be the last place player. That's my goal. Not I don't want to win, just not be last place. Um, and that would be my goal. So in Civ <laughs> 5, that samurai bonus where they get that they don't get weaker when they lose health. In Civ 5, it was every unit, not just the samurai. Every unit they ever produced from warriors to whatever the last unit of like giant death robot, all of them will not get weaker in combat strength when they lost health. And they were considered the the best civilization, or well, at least up there. In Civ 5. I do like how they toned it back a little bit in Civ 6 and they said, no, we shouldn't do this to every unit. We should only do this to the samurai. So I know you mentioned uh, something er earlier uh, before the show about something about the samurai. Do you want to mention that again? Well, the, the problem I had is, is that they're useful for a very narrow window because they're a medieval unit. Um, and so you get them right at the medieval, the me medieval era, but you know, a lot of people will tech past them pretty quickly to musket. What is it? So they replaced the swordman. Is that correct? Yes, but they're not available to the medieval unit the era. Yeah. So isn't swordman? It's weird. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. No, swordsmen are classical. Oh, really? Yeah. What? Okay. It's like its own. It, yeah, it's like its own unit kind of thing. It's it, it occupies a weird space. Okay. So so does it doesn't replace the swordman? It just kind of like has its own thing. So let me, uh, I guess I will Google this really quick too. Just so, cause like that seems kind of weird. Uh, yeah, it's, samurai. It's, a, it's, a, it's a unique, it stands outside of the rest of them. So yeah, it's completely still, unique. You yeah. still get. Yeah. yeah, it's just like a, 
in between uh, Swordman and and what do you call it? Musketman. That's right. And um, it's it's one of those things where because it doesn't replace anything, it kind of has its own niche area, but it, it's only in that one area where it's it's useful, and then it kind of falls out of favor. Well, you can upgrade it to a uh, musketman, so that's good. Oh, and you get it with military tactics as well, which is I know the top of the tech tree. It's the same ones where you get with pikemen. So you have to get pikemen in order for the samurai. Uh, what I or to get them. What I'd like to know is the attributes, if they get to keep those attributes when they get upgraded. So they upgrade to musketmen. So yeah, they they would, but they don't they don't get like the high cut. So they just become musketmen. So samurais, the reason that why they're unique is because they're higher than swordmen, right? They have a 48 to melee. Uh, musketmen has a 55. So it's just that in between where like they're better than swordmen but worse than musketmen um and they also don't suffer combat penalties when they're damaged but they don't they wouldn't keep that once they're a musketman no you get them pretty easily too um military tactics is not too far up the line so you're gonna have a, a period where you know like a 48 strength i don't know a swordman's 36 so uh and a um uh, or 35 even. And then what I think a 41 is the um, Pikeman. Um, so really? yeah, 40, is it that strong? Damn. I'm pretty sure 30. I might be wrong. I could definitely be wrong. Um, so a, a 40, a 48 is pretty strong. That's like a knight. Uh, so you're getting, you're getting a knight, um, you know, with military tactics, which is like what a step above math, right? Like that's early. That's an earlier, uh, so uh, like yeah it's medieval but it's one of the earlier medievals uh so that's like if you speed rush to that um then uh and, and act on it um yeah pikeman is 41 yeah um that's cool if it, you lose if you lose the ability though that that kind of sucks if if you lose the um the healing of, or uh always at full uh for attacks and whatever um, when you upgrade it to a musketman, that sucks. If you get to keep it, that's awesome. I think it's like if they, it's like they maintain that heritage. I don't think they do. Um, I don't think. I don't do. think they do either. I don't think they do either. But I'll be interested. In, Japan, I will comment, is the most powerful sieve of these three by I. I agree. Your. It's not even the samurai. It's not going to mind yet. I know this is an example though for me. The samurai are like U-boats. It's like, yeah, okay, they're kind of useful. That's not, the, the sieve is everything else. So this is a sieve that more or less throughout the game is very useful. Okay, when you get the electronics factory, that means that's much later in the game. But getting a plus 100% production towards escarpments, holy sites, and theater districts, that is huge. And now they've added that you're immune to damage from hurricanes. Listen, as someone who got hit <laughs> really hard at really terrible times. Okay. I can tell you that hurricanes are absolutely atrocious. Uh, and then add to that, you know, if you are a naval sieve, you're adding that plus five combat against like for all coastal tiles, um, which, you know, you should always be fighting on. So I think um, they, they, they're, they're just this very useful, uh, and they have your your favorite uh, adjacency bonus thing as well. They, all of their adjacency, anything that's a half, they get a full one instead. Oh, so it's just a generally well-rounded sieve that big deal samurai's a small window. <laughs> Who cares? 
I guess so. So what a uh, good transition though, I guess, into who uh, you are going to play Raising Zozo. Why don't you sure. go into your civilization here? All right. So I'm like the second tier here. I, I, I Although I don't know. You're the Khmer. I've never, I don't know much about them. So I don't know. We haven't introduced right them yet. Um, okay. So I am, I'm going to be playing uh, China, the great uh, uh, Qin Shi Hung. Um, so China has that it's, your it has the dynastic cycle so the eurekas in uh and inspiration bonuses provide an extra 10 percent for science and culture costs when researching technologies and civics so china is incentivized to eureka as often as possible um because yeah that 10 percent will you know that will make a difference that's that that's like a turn pretty much off um uh, any given uh uh science or culture i wish so it was I, bigger I like that. but yeah i, I wish, wish it was 20%. bigger too but like you know there I, there's a golden ages where i think your eurekas do something so you you're you know you're going to do that more or even my middle age the um the general age you know the 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 work of progress or whatever it's a plus one era bonus for a eureka so like it's an extra thing that i'm going to be trying to do the eurekas it's not great um it's i would better put it on, on longer games like marathon or standard yeah or stuff like yeah that. It's I'd, I'd, I'd rank it with the um the scottish's if your citizens are happy bonus those are that's um, a good one man i don't yeah, know that's it's a all really right good one. it's all right if you can if you can do it if you can do it it's all right if you can't do it so um their special unit is the crouching tiger um which i whenever i've used them in the past um I, I just find i don't get to them fast enough but um they are a unique unit for them uh, i believe they also still get crossbowmen um yes but they do. Uh, they, they're it, you get it with machinery so you get it at the same time you get crossbowmen um so it does good damage it does 50 um in range and 30 in melee but it's um so that's cool you know a 30 in melee is is okay like that's it's the same as it's the same as a crossbowman so they defend the same as a crossbowman yeah but they have a plus 10 damage or for for damage the problem is that range really sucks it does so they're 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 basically a short range crossbowman um you know a 50 is a big deal you know, this is, uh, this is, this can be my siege, right? I think, and that's the idea. So this is siege that can fortify. Uh, this is siege that can, um, garrison, um, you know, so, so for that, that's really neat. Um, I'll try, I'll try to use them. Um, their production is slightly cheaper than a crossbowman. Um, so that's decent. And the only thing I want to quickly is just if the catapult is that much better. Uh, the catapult gets so, okay, so it's range 50, but it's also minus 17 to district defenses. So overall, it is a 38 or 37. No, I, wow, I cannot math. 35. It is a, <laughs> uh, it is a 33, I think. 50 minus 17 is 33, this right? One, this one still gets the minus 15 uh, against districts and naval. Um, yeah. So, but it is, okay, so this is better. This is way better. 35 to 50, and they both have the same minus. So, relatively speaking. Um, and uh, they're just more expensive. So, yeah, they, their maintenance is higher. 
and uh, they, they cost a little more gold. So we'll see. I will try to Crouching Tiger, and we'll see if you can find the Hidden Dragon when uh, they, they get beside you. Um, <laughs> so their infrastructure, this is a weird one. It is a weird one. This, right? It's a really weird so one. So they get the Great Wall. So their um, their workers, that's uh, a unique, unique tile improvement that uh, can only be built by them. And it's built in a line on their, the current border of your territory. Um, and it cannot be built on top of a resource. Okay, so this is something your builders can do. Um, so gathering storm is now okay. I guess they tweaked it slightly. Okay, they made it a little bit better. Little I, bit I don't better, think I've been. I don't think I've like... been the Chinese since before gathering storm. Um, so they're kind of like a crappy fort, the Great Wall. Um, you you get the plus four defense and you gain two levels of fortification when you go in there. So that's, it's, it, it allows that your units can move along this wall and count as though they had pretty much been fortified for a couple turns. Um, they get two gold though. That's gone up. So it used to only yes. be one gold. So now they get, they get um, just a flat out two gold. Yeah. So before it was plus one gold for each adjacent great wall. Now it's just a plus two gold. Oh no. They still so get it's plus two gold. Okay. And oh wow. Gold. Even better. And it's both. It's a plus two gold and they get Plus two. Okay, that's that's interesting. That's that's a good tweak. So for each adjacent, so if you put one on either side, that's plus four. So yeah. You get plus six yeah. gold, and then plus four culture for that one tile, and then whatever like food and production it produces before. It's not that's bad. Excellent. I don't think I've been them since uh, since Gathering Storm, uh, but they also get a plus two cultural bonus for each adjacent Great Wall. So that's yeah. as it gets longer, you're getting this bigger and bigger uh, bonus. Uh, can only be pillaged but never removed by disasters. So that's cool. Can't be removed by disasters. Um, but that also takes a charge from a builder, right? So yeah, uh, you know, I got to I gotta make that choice. And then finally, good old Quinn, the mighty Quinn. Um, so the mighty Quinn is my builders receive an additional charge. So that's huge, huge. That's very cool. That's very cool. Um, I can spend builder charges to complete 15% of the production cost of ancient and classical wonders. Whoa. Cana canals. This is the one that's weird. And I'll, I'll see if I'm going to use it. Okay. I'm going to try and use it. Canals are unlocked with masonry. That's really early. That's super canals, early. Canals. Like, I'm pretty sure canals are like, I don't know. Renaissance. When, are, when do you, no, when do you dude, use medieval so, it's, maybe? It's super late. Steam power. Yeah, Steam like power. industrial, like really Steam power. Late. Yeah. So like, but I also find I don't usually use canals, but maybe I will now. Um, for those They're good you, when you have, when you're trying to make an adjacency bonus to a factory or to an industrial zone, they give a plus yeah. four. So they're really good in that sense. Makes so that's trade. pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, allows ships to pass through them. So maybe now I'll tr give it a go. Um, so the one thing though, is the wonders. Okay. Okay. I have been learning to be a little bit more wondrous in the way that I run my civilizations. Um, so I may well, uh, go, go early. I'll probably, you know what? I'll probably take the, uh, the planner or not the planner, the one that gives you the plus one charge, right? Right off the bat for my governor, uh, five charges. That's pretty sweet. 
And then he built the pyramids, seven charges. You only have to build That's like two workers and then so your we'll entire see. civilization. We'll see. Complete. We'll see. So so that to me, it's an interesting thing, but I have to play off it quickly and pull it off. Um, so and then it's gone. So that's an ability like that's ancient China and then it's gone. And I think that was always my criticism with China is that um, th they don't have, although this does change it a little bit, the Great Wall being better does change it a little bit. They don't have that um, that just constant power that really helps you out. Uh, the builder having an additional charge is good, uh, but that's pretty much like the only thing they get throughout the game, right? That's a useful ability. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I do like any Civ that gets abilities uh, with builders. I love. Um, because Aztecs, uh, my faves. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, let's see. I guess they're a science culture Civ. And um, these are two things I'm, I'm, I'm fantastic at in Civ 6. <laughs> 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 All right. And lastly, we have uh, the last reveal here. And that is for me. I will be playing... I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name, but I will be playing Kemmer or Kemir. How do you pronounce this? Kemmer Kim sounds right. Kymer. Kymer? Is it Kymer? Kymer. Kymer? We're yeah. playing the Kymer civilization. Now, when I read these guys from the very start, I was like, no, nah, I don't. This is not my play style. This is a super strange civilization. If you want to cripple me, you give me Kymer. And chances are you're going to cripple me very deeply. However, I'm pretty adaptable or, or I would like to think I'm pretty adaptable. And so we'll see how much this really does cripple me. Uh, if we go into what they actually do, the Chimer, um, they're a food and faith uh, civilization. It's really weird. Uh, they have uh, bonuses to rivers, being next to rivers. So if they put a holy site next to a river it gets plus uh plus faith and plus amenities i believe which is like okay i guess uh they can they get plus two food for farms that are adjacent to an aqueduct again something i never build but something that i will consider when settling my cities now now i don't need to settle beside a river i don't need to settle beside um fresh water i can just be near it and then i can just build a aqueduct right and that's something i'm going to consider also something to consider when i build industrial zones uh put it beside an aqueduct you get an adjacency bonus there uh their unique unit is the domri now this is a one of the most badass units um simply because it is a elephant with a ballista on its back which is like like it's 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 not historically accurate apparently uh historically it was it was two crossbowmen or two archers on the back of an elephant so they were one of the first ones to have war ele war elephants apart from india they were really the only two civilizations i believe that used elephants in their military the chimer had it where there was archers on the backs of backs of them instead of just tramples so instead they adapted the ballista on top of the elephant in Civ 6 and it's a unique siege unit so there's not a lot of unique siege units in Civilization 6 so this is what this is probably the most exciting part of the Chimer is their unique unit the Domri it replaces the Bombard and it has 10 more strength than the Catapult it's really strange it's not as good as the Bombard but it replaces the Bombard 
And I think you get it earlier and it has less production. Uh, so, oh, it can move and attack on the same turn. That's the bonus you get from it. That's the bonus. So it can move, it can attack. Uh, when I did my practice game, I built a ton of these, like, oh, front load worth of uh, Domries. And they're okay. That's like my, in groups, they're good. Alone, like usually when you build siege units, uh, you build like one catapult, maybe two catapults, and that's all you really need. These, you need to build them in big groups. They also, down the downside to them is they, I don't know if catapults actually upgrade to them. So you need to basically research them and build them immediately. I don't know why, but they made that part of it. You can't upgrade from catapults. So you can't do your old money trick where you save up on money, you build a bunch of catapults, and then you upgrade them all. You can't do that with, with Kaimu. Yeah, it uh, upgrades to artillery. It but does, yeah, you yes. Can't. But it can't go from catapult to Domri. Super I, dumb. I think that's with all of them now, isn't it? All of the no. uniques. No. Oh no, that's right. Like my Janissaries, I that's how I got them. Yeah. So yeah, I get it. I I hear it. And then their unique yeah. build. If it's a ahead, unique sorry. unit that stands alone, like samurais can't be upgraded from. Sort that's of. true. Right. That's very true. That's very true. It's because it's uh, it's whether it's unique or a replacement. If it's a replacement, then yes. So it is a replacement though. It replaces the bombard. Oh, it does. Yes. Maybe I'm then wrong, it, but I, I, I thought I read wrong, that then. you could. Yeah, you're maybe, wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, could, it, I don't know, because I read it somewhere it, that you could do replaces, it. Yeah, if it replaces the bombard, then yeah. That means because you don't get a bombard. You don't have a bombard. That means all your catapults. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm almost certain. I'm like 99% certain. Uh, I am not 99% certain because I swear to God I read it that you couldn't do it. Um, I it, If it, you're telling me it's a replacement... No other units can upgrade to Domri's either, meaning you will have to train as many of them as you need while they are available. Domri comes available later than Catapult. Okay, but I'm saying that if it replaces it, then Zoe. you should still be able to build Bombards. Zo. Yeah. It replaces the Bombard. Okay. So from what I understand, maybe it do does it? Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it doesn't. I don't, okay. I don't see where it says it, it says that. Okay. You're right. It yeah, because that is a that, okay. Because okay, that okay, is a very okay. specific wording. It's a replacement. So if it says it replaces it, that means it's taking its place. You're I right. Can't, You're the right. Ottomans can't build musketmen. The Janissary replaces musketmen. Okay. You're correct. So I can also. Build I know all weapons. about replacement effects. I'm a Magic the Gathering player. So. <laughs> and then they're unique. Uh, they're unique building something I'm not really looking forward to at all. But I'll give it a go. Uh, it's a unique building in the holy site, and it is a, it's called the Prasat, the Prasat. Uh, it replaces the temple. The uniqueness to it is that it gains plus two relic slots. That's it. Um, so, oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. It gains plus two relic slots, and all of the missionaries that you purchase gain the martyr ability. So anytime a missionary dies to theological warfare, it's going to produce a relic. So if you're in theory, produce a lot of the presats. There's a lot of places you can put the relics. However, it is super dependent on dying to theological combat, which, based off of the history of our games, is not usually a lot. Instead, we just declare war and start inquisiting. That happens all the time, man. There's always like lightning bolts going around. Yeah, I know, but now, now that there's like this ability in the game, I'm sure there's going to be less. Like it's going to be like, no, now I'm just going to declare war on you. 
and I'm gonna I'm gonna just kill them because that doesn't count. But that's not a theological combat thing, right? So they don't get a relic. It's still it's still scary because you know religion is scary to some people. Um, the just that your sheer output of faith um, because your faith bonus uh, stacks with the um, simultaneum policy card. So that's the one that doubles the uh, bonuses for your faith right right but that would be and that's great for things that cost faith it's really awesome when you use um the, the um uh, what do you call them the um, yeah, the grand chapel I when you're called. able to well i was going to say when you when you use it with uh, pantheon beliefs um but i'm reading this and like oh no you don't get that no um or or other so you don't get not not the pantheon belief so the feed the world religious belief and the, right, the food choral, world, right? they, yeah, and the choral music. So these are, uh, you get an intrinsic faith bonus. Yes. You, you know, the faith bonus equals food. That'd be great with such a reliable plus eight. That would be fantastic. But this specifically says it does not increase. I think it should. If it did, it would make this like actually, you know, a really cool uh, thing to use. Uh, so we're going to fear your faith. Uh, uh, but yeah. you know what? You know what kills? You know what kills a, mer a, a missionary? A, any military unit? <laughs> any any military? Any military unit? Exactly. So this is why I'm not really looking forward to it because it's like I have to depend on other people building missionaries. Otherwise, they're just gonna kill it. So I I I don't know how I'm gonna pair this up, but I'll do my best. Uh, their leader bonus is monasteries of the king. It's holy sites adjacent to a river grant plus two food and plus one housing. Uh, from what I've read, that is not the best, and you should not prioritize building a holy site next to a river because plus two food and plus one housing basically you can achieve by just building a couple of farms. So there's no point. Um, there are other, if you get an adjacency bonus for your holy site, that is a better place to put it. You could do river goddess, and that would could. give uh, your holy sites uh, by a river amenity and, and housing. So that could make it a little tastier. It could. I could. I also, um, the one I was experimenting with, was the triple faith and tourism to relics mm. that one's crazy even if you get one relic you're just like oh my. it's like plus 12 faith plus 24 tourism and it's like it's so good that's the ideal way to go however in multiplayer i don't know how well that's gonna go it's harder it's harder when there's only three of us that like this might be a, a one that if we are doing you know the world the big map that that we're contemplating um that would be more useful because there'd be other faiths running around yeah yeah i agree and then lastly uh building a holy site triggers a culture bomb surrounding claiming surrounding tiles so that one uh, is really good i don't have to get the religious thing to do that i could just do it uh, i read that it cannot capture tiles that are bigger than three tiles away from your city and it can't also from what we've learned capture tiles that are already occupied by districts or right next to your city center. Can't yes. underestimate how useful things like culture bombs are early game. Um, it reminds me of, uh, I think it's the Cree. They have like, as their traders yeah. go, you, you get that your culture expands. Um, and it, because that's expansion, you're able to do more stuff with the land and it just saves you so much gold. Um, if you were to rush by, because it usually takes a long time to convert tiles, you know, you're looking at um, it can be like 10 turns per tile. Um, so, you know, being able to culture bomb, if I'm, I'm guessing it's just going to be like 
five it'll like push out five like yeah. in all so, directions so, 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 surrounding it. yeah yeah so the, the okay. ideal strategy is to build it two tiles away from your city and then right put it there and then just capture the rest so i will say this for these guys um because they sort of their their food production reminds me of uh, the mayan in a way um if you do food and faith big cities big faith you're just going to admit pressure on us um and you know with uh, the the holy governor which I was actually looking at, and there's actually some pretty cool things. Yeah, with, I was experimenting with, with that too. It's not bad. Yeah, it's actually not too yeah. bad. Yeah, like if you're looking to fight somebody and you position the governor, he like makes all your units um, stronger. But the one that caught my eye was that he instantly heals. And I was like, hmm. Yeah. That, I wonder crazy. if you could have like a conveyor belt of like units are just coming in, getting healed, going back out. <laughs> um, you know, and, and just if you had a good strategy where uh, you you almost play your your war like a football game where it's like I got five of them in and then three of them that are always cycling around. Um, I don't know if it's it's if it's practical, but I don't know. Just like when you, if you mixed an engineer with that, a military engineer, and like got roads going, I could see an efficient war going on. Um, it's it's going to be interesting to like trying to come up with a strategy for um, for them, especially because you hate faith. I don't hate faith, but I don't prioritize it as a number one thing. So like if mm -hmm. if, if it's like a, a little bit of an additional faith thing, that's cool. You know what I mean? Like the Ara Arabians getting always getting a religion. That's fantastic. I love that. You know what I mean? I don't have to worry about building a great profit. Once it's once it's filled, I get one. Awesome. Awesome ability, right? If when something is super focused on faith, I can't get behind it. It's you, so you know, hard it's... to have religious victory. You know, it's funny, though, um, this is a game where I could actually see Japan being a pretty kick ass sieve to use with religion. Um, you know, they get the plus 100 percent production for their holy sites. Um, and with religion, you can get some bonuses for like, you know, if you're fighting near one of your cities, you know, a plus 10 bonus, uh, you can get some pretty crazy combat bonuses with, re with re religion. Um, so. It is. I could actually see uh, the Japanese giving you a run for their money if they went military religion. Because, um, yeah, like Japan, take a look at some of those uh, faith, some of the beliefs. Um, they're, they're, you know, those bonuses would stack very well with some of your other stuff, especially if you're fighting on a coastline. <laughs> yeah, in, in the computer game I'm playing right now, um, I got the uh, Watts, so I basically nice. all my holy sites and campuses are getting science for me. Nice. Um, and so, like, I think in my game I have, like, 250 science per turn, and the next person's, like, 90 or 100. <laughs> um, and so we'll see. It, I've, I've had a lot of fun with them. I just found that, like, I never, like, in all the games I've played so far with my civilization, I haven't really utilized the uh, samurai at all. Um, like I, I can, I can completely not build a. I built one simply for the era score. That that's why I built it. Like, <laughs> so I got the era score, and I, I, and it got me a heroic age. That was awesome. But, um, um, but other than that, I never even used them in combat. Um, I just didn't find them super useful. Um, and so we'll see. Um, other people have forced me into wars that I don't want to be in, and maybe I may be forced to use the samurai and notice that they cut through enemy lines but we'll see they are actually a really really good unit um that that no no basically fatigue no combat penalty to being injured is huge you'll understand how huge that is 
when they have low health and they're still murdering everybody. <laughs> yeah. Like you, so when you're fighting the Japanese, you have to make sure they die. You have to make sure that the samurai is dead. Yes. Like you cannot leave him at all alive. Uh, and that's very frustrating. I, I love just reading the, uh, the Civ, wiki civ, uh, for Japan here for strategy. Japan is the definition of a versatile civilization is they are arguably one of the only uh, sorry, the, the only one that has equal victory preference across all fields. Um, oh, they are. They're a, they're a, like, this is obviously, I'm already saying it. It's S tier. Okay. Japan. <laughs> I don't okay. know. I don't know about that. I don't know about that, but. S tier. Oh my God. Oh, so, it's magnif magnifique. <laughs> I don't know about that one. Everything it has they get throughout the entire game from the ancient era into the near future, all of their abilities for the adjacency bonus for their districts. Um, like that is going to last forever. And the ability to build half price encampment, Holy site theater district so early, um, you can choose which path you're going to go between your military. Actually, your... With the game that we're going to play, I think the most important ability that's going to come into factor is the fact that hurricanes don't hurt me. Yeah, um, probably. Because we're going to play on Apocalypse Mode, right? And, <sighs> I'm so know, sick of Apocalypse Mode like, already. <laughs> but okay. I, I'm just saying, I, I assume that's what we're doing. Yeah, so assume, we, can, so we can turn it off. No, we'll, it's, turn no it off. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it on. We'll keep it on. We'll keep things interesting. It keeps things interesting. But your land suffers, um, as you clearly learned the last game, right? It does. It, it does. does. It does. It gets annoying. You have to keep rebuilding stuff um, a lot. There's a lot of rebuilding that has to happen. Yes. All right. Uh, okay, guys. Any final thoughts before we leave? Uh, uh, yeah, I think this is uh, going to be an interesting fight, but uh, it is definitely a low ring tier sieves versus a really high tier sieve. So um, you know, this no, could be the that. one. Because then, if I lose, if I lose, it makes me look even worse. No, this could be the one. Not. That's not. This, this could, could be the one. This could be the one. This could be the one. This could be the one. Man, because I'm definitely in my weak spot. This is like the weakest sieve you can give me. Ignore away was was a breeze compared it, to these. Not guys. even it's not even that the sieve itself is that. Are there bad. any time travelers? Are there any time travelers in chat who can say I get yeah, like yeah. stomped on or something like that in the game so that they can stop trying to stack and be like, well, we expect Nystagmus to win. So <laughs> I hope you do. Man. So bad when I I'm not gonna I, let I, it easy I, for you though. I I don't know. He, he he's he was pretty vicious with his immortals. Uh and if he can put that tenacity into the samurai, um, I think uh we're gonna be in uh we're gonna be for a treat here, especially we're on islands and continents, like yeah, it's gonna you know, be he crazy. gets plus five for coastal, like right off the bat, if he can if he can get to those samurai, which military tactics is really easy to get to. Um, yeah, we could be in a lot of trouble. That is like a 50 power unit in an era of 35 power. Being yeah, he can just not even build a swordman, just like bypass it and just go to the samurai. And like, that's it. Just spam samurai. That would be really good. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. And then, yeah, your sieve is not even what his sieve does, is it's also it's a religious sieve. And so I, much religion. That's your, so much religion. That's your weakest suit. So. <sighs> It's because you don't have a good uh, creation 
legend. Oh, shut um, up. And no, dude, the, the snack, the snack no. is just—it's a weak. What do you it's mean? A, it's weak. It's the so tail, strong. It's it doesn't. It doesn't nuts. resonate, man. It doesn't resonate. It's about what, like parasites uh, being no. defecated out of an what? elephant's butt or something. What? I don't know. Wow. I don't. <laughs> we can we can have that argument on Sunday. Yeah. Which which one is better? Yeah, I'll I'll come up with a story on Sunday and I'll let you know the creation story of the, the snake, great right? of the great tapeworm. Meanwhile. Maybe we'll just use my religion at the moment, which is screw you guys and going home. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's basically what we're going to be doing right now. Screw you guys. We're going to get out of here. So uh, thanks, guys, for stopping by. I really appreciate it. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at The Civ Show. Be sure to also follow us on Twitch at The Civ Show to know when we are live next. We will be live on Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern time for the next episode of The Civ Show. You can also find our podcast on Spotify, so be sure to look up The Civ Show podcast on Spotify if that's your forte. We'll see you guys in the next episode of The Civ Show. Bye.